Welcome to Radar, a podcast that was created to share the voices of our community, artists, students, entrepreneurs, and leaders of industry, and lend them to the ears of Rad and beyond. On this podcast, we'll welcome thoughtful, challenging, and meaningful conversations about culture, the worlds of art, and leadership to incite reflection and inspiration in our listeners. This is just the beginning. We're looking to have fun, build connections, and share the stories of our community. So join us as we discover who's on our radar. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in for another episode on Radar. Once again, my name is Romy, and I'm the Partnership Manager over at RAD, and I could not be more excited about our guest today. So joining me is Paula Nguyen, the co-founder of Prodigal. So hi, Paula, and thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Romy. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. It's my first podcast, so I'm very, very excited. Hey, exciting. <laughs> exciting. Well, thank you again for joining us today. So I'm going to jump in on the questions so our audience can get to know you better, hear more about Prodigal, Prodigal, sorry, and the original <laughs> story. So for listeners who might not be familiar with Prodigal, can you give us a bit of a rundown on the origin story and what prompted you to start it? Uh, yeah, so I started Prodigal in 2015 with my sister, Lena. Um, we were both in school and working in the hospitality industry at the time. And my program was international business and I was taking a course uh, called small business management. And the assignment for the course was to create a like a business from scratch. Uh, so I came up with the idea of creating an online clothing store. Um, and I guess as I was working through it, I was thinking to myself, well, why don't I just actually do this in real life? It just kind of sparked the idea of starting something. And I, I always knew I wanted to start something, um, but I just never knew what. Uh, so that's when I brought the idea to my sister. Um, and she was like, yeah, I, I would love to do it with you. Um, so we started off with uh, buying from other small brands um, through this online platform called LA Showroom. And it's essentially where like all these independent emerging brands post their products and you can just buy directly off the, the website. Um, it's kind of stuff that you would find at I don't know if you're familiar with Mendocino. I don't know if they're still around. So we did that for a while. Um, then I don't know where or why I got so ambitious. And I asked my sister this as well. And she didn't remember how we decided. But um, we decided to design a small collection of like five styles, um, which was really, really exciting. And they actually did really well. But we also had no clue what we were doing. Um, so we did run into a lot of issues and lose quite a bit of money while doing it. Um, but it was fun to say the least. <laughs> um, so from there, I guess, because it was, we found that it was a little bit expensive to kind of produce your own collection. We just decided to continue with the, um, just buying wholesale. And I guess it was in 2017, um, I wanted to start designing our own collection again. So we decided to do a piece by piece collection and um, sell them on like a made to order basis. Um, so at the time 
we had an intern, her name is Joy, and she was helping us with like design and pattern making and sewing. She's amazing. Um, and I also knew how to sew at this point. So yeah, we just kind of did a piece by piece and eventually it evolved into being our own brand from there. Wow. Well, it's really, it's really awesome that it came from like your, your university experience and um, the idea was born from your class. Um, yeah. Did you, before that class, you said that you, you felt like you wanted to start your own thing. Did you know from a young age that you wanted to start your own business or was that like an idea that was born out of your, your university um, program? Uh, no, I've always wanted to, I remember in high school, I was so lost. Like I had no idea what I wanted to go to school for. I chose business because it was kind of like the easiest thing. Um, but I did know that I wanted to start something. Uh, I just had no clue what it would be. And I definitely didn't, I mean, I always loved fashion and clothing and shopping, but I just definitely didn't know that I would go into this path. Mm -hmm. um, I remember when I was working uh, for BMO Insurance and I was probably like 22 at the time. And I had another coworker who was also a friend. Um, we were like at work brainstorming some ideas and what type of businesses I should start. Um, and one of them was like a nail salon um that was that was aesthetically pleasing but also offered like a really nice experience um where you know you're getting like the champagne or the drinks or whatever it is and just really feeling relaxed and pampered um and I think at the time it was like 2012 so nothing really existed at the time now you can find them everywhere but yeah it, it's definitely all of the experiences now but um yeah that just never happened <laughs> who knows maybe in the future it'll be a you can Maybe. fashion, nail, champagne, all the experience. Yeah, I mean, I think at the time it was like something that I enjoyed. I still obviously enjoy getting pampered, but just in a different way. Um, That's really interesting. You went from BMO um, insurance to fashion. Were you ever torn between, I guess, like starting your own business is a huge financial investment ever did that ever scare you were you ever torn between like sticking to maybe more of a career that has more security like something like banking or insurance and what gave you the courage really to put that aside and take a big risk a leap of faith maybe oh I think it was a number of things um so the reason why I left BMO was because my best friend and I decided, and my sister actually decided to just quit our jobs and quit, uh, sorry, quit our jobs and travel for six months. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we were so young at the time. So there was no really, we didn't have any responsibilities. You know, we, it wasn't scary where we're like, oh my God, like we have, mortgages to pay or anything like that so it was pretty easy to make that decision and when we got back from traveling I was fortunate enough to you know enroll back in school and um, we were working in the hospitality industry so that was pretty much like providing for our our life um, and not a lot of people are able to do that where they could sustain themselves and also start a business and go to school 
Um, so I still had the income coming in and, um, yeah, to answer your question, it wasn't scary. Like I, I guess going from working corporate to like having the flexibility to do whatever you want at your own pace, it was, yeah, it was just the right fit, the right, yeah, the right decision. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, but going back to Prodigal and what we're here to really talk about is, <laughs> <laughs> we're going off tangent but I love it um what do you feel like has made your company stand out the most well we're a small and independent brand um which means we're able to connect with our community on a very like personal level and cultivate these genuine relationships we're able to like listen to direct feedback and cater to our customers and just really have them involved in the process and I think that's like very special um obviously bigger brands could do that but just you know a lot of you're not really connecting with the founders with big brands um and also the fact that our products are made here in Toronto well most of them and they're handmade in small batches and we offer a limited quantity of like uh, certain styles that come out because they're made from dead stock fabric which means that you know, once they sell out, they're never going to come back and it makes them pretty unique and one of a kind. Um, I think a lot of people, well, I know I do, but a lot of people probably appreciate that rather than purchasing from like bigger commercial brands that mass produce. And, you know, everybody ends up owning the same things. <laughs> I, I mean, they're all similar in styles, but it's all in the little details um, that make our pieces that much more special. And um, just a lot of love and care goes into everything that we make and every garment has touched my hands. <laughs> yeah, there's much more of a personalized feel to it. So I'm curious to hear more. You mentioned that you have a unique production process. Like I'm, I'm curious to hear more about that. I guess it is unique because we're, like I said, we, we produce in small batches and um, limited quantities. Um, and a majority of our products are made here in Toronto by like a small group of seamstresses uh, who I've worked with since the beginning. Um, and yeah, like I've, I've created these relationships with them and they understand, you know, how I work and I understand how they work as well. So I think that's really important. Um, and so depending, also depending on the design and the fabric, I either produce on a made to order model or I do a small production run with the manufacturer. So I guess both just really help eliminate any overproduction or overstock, um, which, you know, when we were buying wholesale from other brands, we did run into, you know, the problem of having overstock and not knowing what to do with it because sizes wouldn't sell or styles wouldn't sell. Um, so by doing it this way, you could really see you know, I could do a pre-order and see how well the, the style will do. And um, the made to order is just best by like financially. And just, you know, we make sure every scrap or every piece that we have left over, we try to utilize it as much as we can. Mm -hmm. So for the designs that you come up with, what would you say is the inspiration behind those pieces? Well. I guess it starts off with me just thinking about myself and the things that I want in my closet. 
um, the things that are missing. Um, but I guess I'm mostly thinking about the people around me, um, whether it's like strangers passing by or someone that I know and admire. And um, I really base it on like, I, I try to envision like their life and the things that they want um, for themselves. So I know that they're city living and they have a lot on their plate, but they value simplicity and they're looking for like a balance in their life. And um, I try to think about what that means. And, you know, I, this person is, they still want to look good and feel good, but they also don't want to think too much about their outfits. So anything that's like very easy and transitional um, outfits that translate from like day to night, home to work to having drinks with friends and that's just how I like to to dress <laughs> um but in terms of like the actual pieces and where I try to w reference my inspiration um I like to look at a, a lot of vintage pieces or you know I could get inspired by textiles and fabrics so if I see a fabric that I, like I fall in love with I just kind of start from there mm -hmm. and and just like everyday life, I guess, I look at things just that are going on around me. Yeah. I guess you have to develop a, a very detail-oriented eye. And I guess you've developed that and it just happens naturally. Like, do you ever, like, where are the places you find yourself like observing more, trying to notice things that you are attracted to? Uh, I guess it really just depends, like, where I am and what I'm doing and, like, what I'm thinking of designing so like a lot of it's like functionality of um I don't know if someone's like I'm a mom so I'm like all about function now <laughs> so things that like certain pockets or like even the fabric that you use is it like easy to clean is it water repellent but then if you're you know uh if you want just like a coat for like a night out coat uh I'll be looking at people at restaurants like if I'm out to dinner and I kind of see like what they're wearing and I don't know I think about why they're wearing it um yeah yeah I don't know yeah the reasons behind yeah, yeah exactly I think that's the you mentioned functionality and I think that's a very like important point I think so many stores like you think about Zara or you know other major corporate stores don't really like think about the functionality they think more about the aesthetic yeah I think like functionality and aesthetic go hand in hand in fashion because it's something you're wearing it can be like a tool for you a tool to make your, your life, life easier yeah a hundred percent agree and you know when you're not saying you know you don't think about these things pre-mom as much <laughs> this is just in my opinion um or you know if you're not if you're living in a city that's always sunny you're not thinking about things that you know if you live in Vancouver where it's always rainy so you when you're buying a coat you want it to be waterproof you want it to like have a hood and yeah just just things in pocket yeah exactly <laughs> I'm excited to share our sponsor for today's podcast, the School of Interior Design, formerly known as Ryerson School of Interior Design. The School of Interior Design is excited to announce its year-end show 2022, Yes. Yes aims to create a platform that celebrates student work and accomplishments, makes connections, and establishes students with the evolving industry. 
This year's concept, Unfiltered, is geared towards celebrating the messiness and imperfection of the design process and focuses on the transparency that allows them to value a diverse range of perspectives and who they are as designers. They will host interactive challenges, table talks, tutorials, and provide opportunities for community building. Join them from May 13th to 15th for Year End Show's first ever hybrid design festival. For more information, please check out their website, www.yesxsid.com. So yeah, speaking of style, how would, how would you describe your own style? Um, I, my style is pretty minimal. I would say, um, I like to always have a balance of like what I'm wearing. So if I'm wearing like baggy jeans, then my top would be fitted or sometimes I'll just wear everything oversized. I think it's, um, sometimes very arbitrary. It depends on the occasion, but my everyday it's pretty casual and, um, minimal and mm-hmm. everything that I own is pretty versatile. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to know more about how you source your fabrics um, and why you use the specific fabrics that you use. Uh, I guess because I'm a still, still a small brand, I'm able to source fabrics locally. Um, and one of the fabric distributors that we use is it's called Tilio, and they're a Canadian company and they source fabrics from all over the world and um, I like to go there because they have specific fabrics like that are that are certified um, so one of the fabrics I like to use uh, the certified fabrics is like Ecotex certified which means um, you know for those who aren't familiar with all these certified fabrics is that it's just a standard that's set in place where um, the fabric has been tested for toxic substances and therefore is harmless for the, your body and the human health. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize like how many, how much chemical, um, goes into fabrics during the process. Um, so the standard is just set in place to make sure that, you know, the toxins are as very, are limited as possible. Um, and, you know, even have looking for like GOT certified uh, fabrics. So GOTS uh, is a global organic textile standards worldwide. And um, it's the processing of like organic fibers from like the sustainable and ethical harvesting of organic legal plants um, all the way to like the eco-friendly and socially responsible manufacturing practices. Um so these are just things that I found that are important to me and um, I'm trying to utilize those more and trying to educate our community a little bit more on that. Um, that's kind of the goal for 2022 and uh, beyond. <laughs> so yeah, I, I just tend to look for fabrics that are one, like certified and two, more natural luxury fabrics that will last longer. Um, um, with natural fibers, it, it not only feels good on your skin, like silks and wools and um, cashmere and alpacas, but they're also better for the environment in terms of how they like break down um, and how long it takes to break down. You know, that's not information that the consumer always gets. And that's not even me. Like I'm victim of this too, but I don't, I don't think it's not my reflex to think about 
what chemicals am I exposing myself to like to mm-hmm. myself I'm going back to talking about being a mom again <laughs> but especially when I was buying things for my son as a baby like their skins are so sensitive and you're very very mindful of the things that you put on um like whether it's lotions or clothing so I'm I was always looking for like organic cotton clothing naturally dyed clothing when where and when I can right and not a lot of people can do this because it is a lot more costly but you know um it is important and I think that's when I started to really think about the clothes that I'm wearing so um because you know if we're doing it for our babies why aren't we doing it for us absolutely and like that makes me think of sheets too like we exactly yeah your sheets like every night so that's important too Yeah, yeah I agree I'm going to reassess my sheets <laughs> after this. <laughs> I bought sheets from Cotton, um, like K-O-T-N yeah. recently. Yeah. And um, they're so comfortable and, you know, they're good for your skin. They're, oh, <laughs> they're ethical. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Cotton. <laughs> um, but I'm also curious to hear more of like your, your design process, the, the phase of you thinking about a design, a concept and translating that on paper. And mm-hmm. is it like an iterative process? Is it, is there a lot of redesigns, a lot of sketches? Yeah. Um, I think it's a mix of both. So there are a lot of redesigns. For example, I'll have, we have our alpaca coat for the winter and then I'll just take that design again and transition it into the, the summer. Um, and just switch out the fabrics and add maybe little other details like pockets or um, seams or, ha- or finishings. Um, but yeah, just switching it out to a more lighter fabric. Um, yeah, and I, I guess when I'm sitting down and sketching and designing, like I said, I start with what I want in my wardrobe and go from there. And yeah, and like I said, going back to like just choosing the fabrics yeah down from from the look all the way down to the feel to the the use yeah very i don't know if that answered your question (laughs) absolutely no absolutely like um i think it's always interesting you know everyone has their different creative process their different ways of designing and like Mm -hmm. different ways they approach it and so i think it's very very insightful to our audience as a co-founder what would you say your day in a life of working at prodigal is if like there's no typical day like an average day uh you know every day is different so I'll start off my day with waking up making an oat latte um I'll spend time with my son his name's Aiden uh before he goes down for his first nap and then I'll check my emails um if I have orders I generally tend to those first um but so right now I'm working on collection three and that, I mean, like some days I'll be planning, line planning, sketching, uh, looking for inspiration. And then other days I'll be making samples, meeting with my pattern maker, um, sourcing fabrics, as well as like planning content and photo shoots. So just pretty much everything. Um, generally it's, yeah, there's no structure. <laughs> at the at the moment but um eventually it will have a a little bit more structure what would you say would be the most 
challenging part of operating and running Prodigal, especially during the pandemic? Uh, the most challenging part is definitely trying to grow and scale your brand um, with limited resources and finances um, and not having that wholesale model either. So if you're just direct to consumer, obviously it's a lot easier these days because of social media, but um, yeah, you, you also have to know what you are doing <laughs> with social media in, in terms of, yeah, to, to grow your business. Um, so that was, that's kind of like the most challenging part. It's like, yeah, scaling and just like growing your presence online. Um, and just also being a new mom and trying to juggle growing your business as well as being the best mom that you can be. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. How, how do you balance your time? Um, I am so grateful for my husband and he is very hands-on as well. And he also has his own company, which is why he's able to be so hands-on because he has the flexibility to, to be more involved and take Aiden whenever I need him to. Um, yeah, so I, I, I do have the support in that sense. Um, but you know, there are moments or there are times where, I need to work way more than me spending time with him. And I feel guilty about that, but you know, you just kind of have to make the time and make the schedule to do it, um, to, to spend the time with your family and mm -hmm. to spend the time with him. Yeah. And I'm sure like, as he grows up, you know, seeing his mom owning a business, like I'm sure you, you become a role model, you become like a source of an admiration for your, your child. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I hope he definitely looks up to both of us and sees <laughs> that we've inspired him or we've set like a good, you know, um, example and what he wants to become. And uh, yeah. Going back to, you know, the notion of starting your own business, um, you know, especially starting a business out of your first business, especially, what is yeah. some advice that you wish you would have had starting out that you would give to somebody else now who is starting out? Um, first and foremost, know your finances. <laughs> um, make sure your business is profitable from the beginning. I know this sounds like common sense, but I, I don't think it really is. <laughs> um, because, you know, generating revenue is totally different from actually being profitable. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just having that, um, and also having a very, very clear brand identity and vision as to why you're starting your business, um, versus just, you know, it has to be beyond selling your product or your service, um, because that's what's going to keep you going. And that's what has, that's the meaning behind what your brand is. Um, it took me a, a long time to figure this out, but I think it just had to do with um, me doing a lot of inner work and reflecting what my personal values are. Um, but I definitely think those are the two main things um, that you have to really think about when you're starting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Finding the, the meaning, the why beyond the, on a deeper level beyond yeah definitely and I think see really it's it's where the identity comes yeah and you know I think nowadays especially in the 
the last few years, a lot of people are understanding, like really understanding how to build a brand through like brand identity and the why versus, you know, when you start started like, a like, I don't know how long it's been like eight years ago or seven years ago, there wasn't as much resources out there where, um, you know, people talk about like the why and building your brand and the bigger purpose behind it. Um, I guess so, social media just really amplifies this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It connects to a lot more social media. You can connect to a lot more niche audiences. And mm-hmm. these audiences are what really want to, they want to find out the story, the identity of the brand. And it's like you're relating, you're relating to the product and the service, but you're relating to the mission, the, yeah. the really the foundation. Yeah. 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 Social media definitely has even from my perspective, like as a, as a student, as a user on social media that connects to brands, like I find myself looking, looking for that story, clicking on the about us and the story mm-hmm. behind it. I definitely agree. And like, just even as consumers, right? Like we've all changed our perspective on how we consume in the last few years, because there's just more information about it. Um, but yeah. Well, that's, that's it for all my questions. Um, so thank you so much for for joining us today and for being on our podcast. And I'm excited that this is your first ever podcast. And I'm honored yeah. that you're you're breaking your podcast virginity with us. And I hope that you know this is only the beginning of your podcast journey. Um, and um, yeah, it was really great having you here today. And I'm sure our audience learned a lot from you, ranging from you know, advice on starting your own company to um, sourcing and designing to building a a meaningful brand identity. So um, if anyone wants to learn more about Prodigal, they can go to Prodigal's website. So prodigal.com or Mm -hmm. give them a follow on Instagram at Prodigal. I hope that once again, you're you keep growing and I'm confident that you will and congratulations on launching your third collection it is yeah it will be we'll be launching hopefully by April April okay we'll be keeping an eye out but yeah thank you so much for joining us thank you so much for having me like I said it's my first podcast so um I'm very very excited to to hear how it uh all comes and unfolds (laughs) me too so until next time and thank you for listening if there is anything you would like us to talk about on the pod you can reach out to us on instagram at offline rad